0: Can you thank Jesus for his love today? Come on, just put your hands together and thank the Lord for his goodness. And hey, can you give it up for our first time guests that are joining with us online right now? Come on, give it up for them. Welcome. We're so glad you're joining with us. And if it's your first time hanging out with us online and you're ever in the Dothan area, I hope and pray that you come in, connect with us here at Dothan First, and we'll be so honored to be able to connect with you, partner with you. And uh, hey, we love you. We're grateful that you're joining with us. Wherever you're joining with us from, we're thankful that you're with us today. And for those of you that are first time guests in the house, we're honored that you're here. And after this service, we'd love to connect with you and give you a gift for hanging out with us. So if you don't mind, after the service, out the doors and to your left, before you exit the very last doors uh, to the outside, you'll see a guest reception it's there waiting and ready for you. Listen, would you grab your copy of God's word? Say this with me. Say, "I I am what God's word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now listen, just give a compliment of some kind to the person next to you. Let them know they look good, their breath smells good, something just, you know, and if not, hand them a tic-tac, you know, I mean, just be subtle but kind, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about today because as we prepare to head into Easter, I felt like this next series was going to be pivotal to your christian experience let me say that again i believe that this series is going to be pivotal to your christian experience i believe that there may be some things that you've never known about the bible that are going to come alive to you i think there's going to be things that you'll find out about the scripture about the lord of the scripture about the word himself that you will find not only appealing and convincing but that you will be so convinced that you'll go out to this city and invite people in to be part of this five-week series leading up to Easter and then into Easter itself, where we celebrate the resurrected Messiah. Friends, He is alive. We celebrate Easter every day of the week and every day of the year. Friends, He's alive. And so today we celebrate Him And I want to start this series by laying out kind of the foundation of what we're going to discuss over the next few weeks. But today we're going to talk specifically in this series called Loved, we're going to talk about God's plan to love you. God's plan to love you. Coming out of February and talking about marriage and loving each other and loving your kiddos and Valentine's Day and all that, I can't think of a better time to transition into God's plan to love you. Do you know that God already sat in mind and had you in his mind before he ever laid out the foundations of the world? So the Bible says, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to actually read it in the message, which uh, I'll read a few passages today from the message. The message is simply a paraphrase, okay? Uh, it's, it's not a true translation word for word. If you're looking for that, the New Living Translation uh, to me is one of the most readable uh, of the, uh, the word for word Greek or Hebrew uh, translations of the Bible into English, the NAS, the New American Standard, probably the most, the truest word for word uh, translation that's that's out there in terms of Greek translation or Hebrew translation. Um, but, but I'm going to read from the message and just give you a, a picture. It, it would be a, a simplistic picture of the overall theme of this verse. And as I read it, I want you to put yourself in the scripture, in the storyline of humanity. Here it is, Ephesians chapter one, verse four, in the message, it says, long before he laid down the earth's foundations, God had us in mind. I want you to turn to your neighbor and just say, he had you in mind, okay? Before he laid out this whole world, he had a plan for you. And it says, he settled on us, look at this, as the focus, Of his wrath and his anger. Because he's ticked off at all of us. Is that what it says? No. It says that he settled in on us as the focus of his what? Of his love. Friends, he had you in mind and that's nice. It's great to know that God had you in mind. It's another thing that you're not an accident. It's another thing to know he's focused on you with his love. With his love. He has a plan to love you. Now, as I said, in the weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to focus on some very strategic things, specifically Passover. Passover happened in the storyline of the Passion Week. But I'm not just wanting to give you education about biblical history. That's nice. That's wonderful. That's informative. That's beneficial as the body of Christ. We do want to grow and learn. All of those things I think will develop you. But I want it to, to be in remembrance of Jesus. And so what we're going to do is at the end of each of the messages leading up to Easter, we're going to take communion together all of these weeks on all of these days, these, uh, every Sunday, we're going to take communion together. Now, we do take it regular, regularly. Let me say that 10 times fast. These are my new lips, so I'm getting used to them. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> regularly, we take communion. But this time, as we lead up to the Passion Week and as we lead up to Easter and the celebration of what Jesus did to pay for our penalty, the penalty that we owed of our sin... that that Jesus Christ paid for that debt that we owed, I I want us to remember. Matter of fact, Jesus said, when you take communion or you take these elements, remember me. And so we're going to do that today at the end of the service, and then we're going to take communion each Sunday from this point forward. But I think it's important that you understand the significance of the communion cup. I think it's important that you understand the bread and the juice and what they represent, the symbols that they represent in Christianity and in humanity. I think it's very important that you go backward in time to understand what it really is. I want us to focus on the plan that God had from the very beginning to sanctify us, to deliver us, to redeem us, to protect us, and to give us hope for eternity. Most of you are familiar with the storyline of at least parts of the Jewish roots in history. You remember, many of you, the storyline of Moses and the children of Israel that were led out of Egypt and toward the promised land. You might have Sunday school images of that if you're old enough like me to remember feltograms. Y'all anybody old enough, old school enough in here to remember feltograms? That was like really important back in our day because there was a felt board and they had Moses and he was a he was kind of a felt, felt not felt like this, but felt like it, the, the material, and they would slap him up against the, the board. Y'all, come on, somebody old school. Anybody really old school in the house? Y'all remember that? Okay, so that may be your image. Others of you, you may have the image of the Ten Commandments, right? With Charlton Heston there in Pharaoh's courts. Let my people go, you know, whatever. And and let me just tell you, as a reminder... Um, you know, that was a wonderful picture, and Charlton Heston was, you know, ripped and 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 ready uh, when he walked into Pharaoh's courts. But that is not exactly the picture of the true Moses at that time, because he was like 80 years old. So instead of, let my people go, he was more like, let them go. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so just the imagery here is important, okay? That might be your image or your picture, or for you that are a little younger, like my son, he watched the Prince of Egypt 50,000 times. Any of you parents have uh, children when they were younger, they watched like one program a million times over. Well, thank God for him, it happened to be the Prince of Egypt and not Teletubbies, but I'm just saying it was like really instrumental in his life. It was really important, and and so it was giving you the picture or the storyline which was taking place in that day. But just to review, the Israelites were enslaved 400 years in Egypt, okay? So get this picture. Now here, look, some of you don't realize how that even happened. So first of all, we got to get back to the family roots, So you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the the family lineage of of what they would see as the covenant promises that began with Abraham, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob had a name change like many in the Bible. You remember the apostle apostle that uh, had a name change from, well, there was one that was from Saul to Paul. Right there was another one that was from Simon to Peter. God had unique moments in time where He would change someone's name for the purpose of uh, making sure they understood their assignment. And so it was with Jacob that God changed His name to Israel. You're going to be the the, the, uh, uh, you're going to be a great nation. But at that time. He, he wasn't yet a great nation and eventually he had children and they, he ended up with 12 children, which ended up being called the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so following along with that story. Now, you remember they were prosperous and successful and everything was going great until the brothers got a little upset because Joseph, the one brother, was given a special coat and special privileges and special attention and all that stuff. so they ended up they wanted some of them wanted to kill him but instead the brothers ended up selling him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt and becomes ruler or part ruler and a famine is about to come and God places a demand on something called prophecy. <laughs> he sets in motion, that This family this 12 tribes would be spared and saved by the younger brother that was sold into slavery Okay, so it's really interesting because now you see that in the book of Genesis Now this family is saved from the famine because Joseph saves his brothers and his whole family They all move to Egypt and they are high ranking officials, right? They they are they are blessed beyond measure They're given a blessing in terms of the land there in Egypt and all goes well until one group the Egyptians become fearful of the dominance of another race and slavery enters in which is often how slavery begins in the first place so they've migrated from Canaan to survive the famine into Egypt, and the Hebrew population increases dramatically. The Egyptians feel threatened, and so they force the Jewish people into slavery. But God... everybody say, but God. (laughs) But God had a plan in store for them. He was not going to allow his chosen people to remain in bondage. So God eventually raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And Moses is going to lead the people of Israel to a new home called the promised land. And Moses meets with Pharaoh. And that's where we pick up the story of the 10 commandments, or we pick up the story of the prince of Egypt, or we pick up the storyline of your felt to Graham, when you remember, he said, let my people go. But he didn't say, let my people go so they can no longer be in slavery. That's not what was said. He said, let my people go. Does anybody know the the second half of that? "That That they may go to worship. Ah, some of you remember. That they may go to worship me. He said, the reason that I'm releasing you is that you are going to be released or you'll only be freed if you learn how to worship, to worship me. The Pharaoh refused. God, by his mighty power, unleashes 10 plagues. Many of you remember some of those plagues, but the final plague all right, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up Jewish history in like 10 minutes, okay? I'm, I'm giving you a picture of a lot of scripture in a short amount of time. But the final plague was the angel of death. The death angel was allowed to vi- visit each household, Egyptian and Hebrew alike, and claim the life of the firstborn male. However, the death angel was instructed to pass over... The homes that had the blood of an innocent lamb applied to the doorpost of the house. When the angel saw the blood, he was to pass over. In, in, In this context, the salvation came from the blood of an innocent lamb. We later understand the significance and the symbolism of that innocent spotless blood of the lamb. The one and only spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, comes into the world and saves each one of us by letting each drop of his blood be spilled that we might be saved. That the death angel of our soul would pass over us and give us freedom. But God made it clear that he was going to spare his people and he'd lead them out to a life of freedom and toward a land that they couldn't even imagine. A land so great, a space so wonderful, they couldn't imagine it. So... When we read the history of God's chosen people and we understand in the Bible, we discover that God made four significant promises to them that now apply to us. And even in Jewish Passover celebrations today, to this very day, a Seder or Passover celebration, they they read this passage of Scripture remembering what took place on that night when the Passover of the death angel took place in Egypt. And then they were released after that 10th plague toward the promised land. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter six. Here are four significant promises that are read to this day by Jewish families celebrating Passover. Exodus six, verses six and seven. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Look at this. Here's promise number one. I will bring you out. Everybody say, I'll bring you out. I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Second promise. Here it is. I will free you. Everybody say, I'll free you. I'll free you from, the, from being slaves to them. And look at this. Here's the next promise. I will redeem you. Everybody say, I will redeem you will redeem. with an outstretched arm and with the mighty acts of judgment. Final promise. Fourth promise. I will take you as my own. Everybody say, I'll take you as my own. Amen. I'll take you as my own people. I'll be your God. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. These four critical promises, four core promises. I'll save you from your situation, right? I'm going to rescue you from slavery. I'm going to free you from your oppression, meaning I'm going to deliver you from your crisis. I'm going to redeem you by my powerful arm, and I'll restore you as a people and claim you as my own. In other words, I'm going to give you an identity and purpose. You're going to go from being known as slaves. You're going to have an identity shift because I don't want you to keep that slavery mentality and have an identity crisis. I'm going to turn the tables on those Egyptians and I'm going to teach you not just to be slaves, I'm going to teach you how to be sons and daughters of the most high God. These four I will statements in Exodus leave, leave us with a foundation and it leaves the, not only the nation of Israel with a foundation, but in every one of these crucial elements of an annual celebration of God's faithfulness called Passover, they remember him. Everybody say, remember him. At this yearly event, four cups of wine are used to commemorate and celebrate God's four promises. And these four cups are called cups of promise. Kind of they bridge the ancient history, so to speak. And, and some Jewish scholars even believe that the four promises that relate to four cups of wine at a Jewish Passover also represent the four letters of the name of God. The, the Hebrew way to say it would be YHW. H, okay. It was the name of God that could not be spoken. Now, we've put uh, vowels in, in the consonants, and we've said Yahweh or Jehovah, which also is the representation of the God of the universe. But why HWH? I had a dear friend, Michelle and I, uh, next door, living next door to us, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, and we would celebrate certain, uh, certain um, Jewish holidays. With them and had a great relationship with them. But he he said that um, one of his Jewish uh, rabbis from Israel uh, taught him something that he thought was profound. You can't find it directly in the Bible, but it it was something that they felt was profound. And that was this that they believed that the YH, the first two letters, were the, the, the sound of breathing in. And the WH, the last two letters, were the sound of breathing out. And so when you breathe in oxygen, Y-H, and you breathe out carbon, di- carbon dioxide, you're actually saying the name God. And so you're breathing in God and you're breathing out God. And the day you stop saying the name of God is the day you no longer exist on this earth. Very interesting. Very interesting. I thought that was interesting. So here's what happens now in this Jewish seder or celebration of passover is they have these four cups of promise but many jewish people actually have a fifth cup so they'd have four cups just like this poured out with wine but they'd have a fifth cup and that fifth cup would be called the cup of elijah and that cup of elijah would represent the promises to come so in a jewish orthodox Uh, or or traditional ceremony, they may deny that Jesus was the Messiah that came and so that therefore they would still be waiting on a Messiah to come because the Bible says that Elijah must come first and so that fifth cup would not be it would not be a cup that they would drink it would be a cup that in the hope that Elijah would then come and prepare the way that the Messiah would come now for us that fifth cup could easily represent the return of Jesus Christ because we know he's already come once he already paid for our sins He already rose from the dead. He already ascended to the right hand of God the Father. But we are waiting for a glorious day that his soon return, the rapture of the saints, that we would one day be with him for eternity. Are you following this? but Elijah must come first. Why would they say that? Well, there's a prophecy in Malachi chapter four, verse five. I want you to look at it. Let's look at it together. Here it is. Malachi chapter four, verse five says this, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's look at history and let's look at this was written long after Elijah lived and died. Okay. So it wouldn't make sense to say he's coming and this is someone that's about to show up. This is someone who already showed up on the earth. It says here, behold, I'll send Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. That day when the Messiah would show up and make all things right. All right, let's flash forward from Old Testament to the New Testament. You ready for this? How many are ready to go on a journey with me spiritually? You ready? Ready? All right, so here it is. Let's go forward now to Jesus, the Messiah. He's walked the earth. He's lived a sinless life. He's called his disciples. As a matter of fact, he spent quality time with three disciples in particular where they've witnessed things that the others have not. And now Jesus brings them up to a high mountain, just Jesus and these three disciples, Peter, James, and John, to this high mountain called Now, to us in Christianity, the Mount of Transfiguration. There's this moment where Jesus is literally transfigured. His face shines so brightly, it's like the brightness of the sun. And these disciples watch this take place. And here's what it says. It says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 3, Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared. Everybody say Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah appear and begin talking with Jesus and the disciples are freaked out. Okay. That was the, that was the Greek translation that I'm giving you. The, the Bensonian translation says they were freaked out. Anyway, I'm just, okay. They were freaked out. Peter, the guy who has always got his mouth open. We ought to build three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Like, let's stay here forever. And most of us in Christianity that's experienced a mountaintop experience with God have all had similar responses. God, I've in this worship experience. My favorite song is playing. Lord, I can feel and sense your presence. God, let me stay here in this moment. And, And of course, Jesus says no. But interestingly, the Bible says that a cloud enveloped them in the middle of it all. And the Bible says that something amazing happened, that a voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my beloved son, whom I love, listen to him. Now, if that happened to any one of us, we would also be freaked out. Because the Bible says that they fell down, the disciples fell down, freaked out, and Jesus came over, touched them, said, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, the cloud had lifted, Moses and Elijah are now gone, and now it's Jesus with them. They'd seen something that no one else in human history had seen before, and they were freaked out by it. Let's keep going. Matthew chapter 17, verses 9 through 13. Are you all with me? You're with me so far? Three of you. Okay, let's keep going. I want everybody with me before we're all done. Matthew chapter 17, verses 9 through 13. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone what you've seen, listen, until the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus, has been raised from the dead. Okay. At that point, I would be asking a whole lot of questions like, Jesus, how can you telling me not to tell anybody? I really want to tell some people. Like when you get juicy gossip, you want to share it with everybody. And they've seen something that no one in human history had ever seen. They want to tell people. And Jesus restricts their words and says, don't tell anybody. Okay, let's keep going. Here's the question that they come up with. Out of all the questions they could have asked, who was that that was talking? (laughs) Why did the boys come? How come Elijah and Moses were hanging out with you? This is crazy. How come you didn't have the other disciples with us? How come we can't say anything about it? There's a lot of questions that they could have or maybe should have asked. Here's the question that they choose to ask. Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? And Jesus replies, Elijah indeed is coming first to get everything ready. Everybody say, get everything ready. But I tell you, Jesus said, Elijah has already come. Now, wait a minute. Elijah's already come. Well, he was standing right there a few seconds ago. So, yeah, he's already come. We saw him. It's not what Jesus says says here. It says, but he wasn't recognized. Everybody say he wasn't recognized. And they chose to abuse him in the same way they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized that he was talking about John the Baptist. Now, if you say, well, that's just one scripture, so that's taken out of context, that was the disciples, uh, you know, that was their interpretation of what Jesus was saying. Okay, that's not true because in Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, the Bible clearly says, Jesus says, John the Baptist is Elijah, the one who is to come to prepare the way of the Lord. Matter of fact, it goes even earlier than that. Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, let's look at this one together. The prophet Isaiah, now we're talking about Old Testament prophets. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John the Baptist when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. I want you to get this picture this was john the Baptist's assignment on the earth that he would come and act in the same assignment as elijah the prophet that he would come as elijah did to prepare the way of the lord so too john the baptist was to come to show up and to prepare the way of the lord to prepare the way for jesus entry and his delivering power and salvation on the cross jesus death on the cross John the Baptist was preparing the way. But can I just stop and say this? That's not just John the Baptist's assignment. That is your assignment. And that is my assignment on the earth. We now take on that assignment because it's our job. May Jesus increase while we decrease. Some of us Christians, we think now we're Jesus followers. Now we should be elevated. Look at me. Look at how great I am. I follow all the commands. Look at how wonderful I am. Look at how bad of a sinner you are. Compare to me. Look at how I know all these scriptures now. I've memorized a few scriptures. Look at all the good that I've done. I help old ladies across the street. Somebody recognized me as a great Christian. Look at all my talents and look at all my spiritual gifts that I didn't even earn. Come on, somebody. Instead, we have to take in the authority of John the Baptist, preparing the way of the Lord. Jesus, you increase. Let me decrease. Let me prepare the way of the Lord. Let me usher in the presence of God. That's our assignment. But for these Jewish families celebrating Passover... Their celebration was similar to our Independence Day, right? Our 4th of July where we light off fireworks and, and we have our traditions of cooking brats and burgers or whatever it is that you choose to do on that Independence Day. So too it was with the Passover. They were celebrating an Independence Day of their history. A time to remember when God brought them out of slavery and into freedom. And so the Jewish Passover where they remember what God did a long time ago and they celebrate God's plan today... Jews today celebrating the Passover, remember what God did for them today. Now, like most cultural holidays, there are certain foods and customs that they did just like we do, like I said, burgers and brats. They do matzah and wine, okay? Matzah, they they, they have this flat bread that they would break and there was representation in even the unleavened bread that the Jewish people remembered how they had to leave their homes in a hurry. When they were leaving egypt on that night before the bread had a chance to rise and then when god delivered them there was another point at which a jewish uh person would then break that matzah bread in recognition looking backward now they they break it in representation of how god broke through the red sea and let them walk through on dry ground But this was also a precursor to these early Jewish people that were being delivered, that this now would represent, the unleavened bread would represent the manna that was to come. That God would send down bread from heaven. Are you following this? The other thing that it would represent, and of course in the future, would be that Jesus would show up and he would be the bread of heaven, literally, that comes from heaven. And a last supper with a symbol of his body that was broken for us. So when we as Christians celebrate Passover or specifically when we celebrate communion, we recognize that Jesus Christ was the bread and his body was broken for us. Okay, so at the heart of the Passover feast, there was a recognition and a remembrance. And these four cups of wine that Jewish people would toast with the four I will promises of God in Exodus 6, the wine would represent the Passover blood, the blood that was applied on the doorpost. But it foreshadowed how we, the people of God, would be saved through a blood sacrifice, Jesus Christ on the cross. I want to close out by giving these five cups of promise. And I'm going to make this part uh, relatively brief because I'm going to help you understand how our entire way of doing church here at Dothan First represents these five cups. I'm going to show you how the promises of God that have been laid out in scripture, we follow so closely and align with those promises that it's literally written into the DNA of dothan first and i'll show you that in the coming weeks but here it is these five cups of promise these single powerful unforgettable promises that help us grow together toward christ first of all the first cup was sanctification very first cup was sanctification Okay, this cup represented, and by the way, sanctification literally means just to be set apart for a special purpose. I'm going to bring you out, God says. This is a picture of salvation. This this would represent our salvation. I'm going to bring you out. Friends, I know that many of you, you grew up in church because we're in the deep south, in the Bible belt, where everybody's a Christian. Like, just showing up at church means you're a Christian. How many understand? That does not make you a Christian. Your church attendance or the membership you've aligned with with a church you've aligned with or a denomination that you've aligned with does not make you a Christian. You have to recognize some of us in our culture haven't even taken a sip of the first cup called salvation because we think we're saved because we have a relationship with church, but we're not saved because we don't have a relationship with God. Salvation is based on your relationship with God, not your relationship to church. We're called to surrender to God and repent for our sins and follow Jesus. And that's why we have weekend services on Sunday like this, that we might worship God who saved us and then reach out to the broken, hurting, and lost who've not yet been saved. The next thing, once we've drink drank from the, the cup. Of sanctification and from salvation now we're drinking from the second cup the cup of deliverance deliverance we think of deliverance as a freaky like you know exorcism like you you know you're demon-possessed and your neck spins around three times or whatever craziness that you've seen in a movie somewhere but that's not this picture You need to understand the idea of this cup of deliverance is that you're still trapped in your old life, in your old patterns, in your old ways, in your old ways of thinking and doing. Are you following this? Now, those of you who might walk in feeling condemned because you feel like, well, Lord, have mercy. I say that I'm a Christian, but I know what I did last night. I know what I did this week. I know my attitudes, I know my behaviors, I know my secret sins, I know all of these things. Listen friends, God wants to deliver you and set you free. But just in case you walk in feeling condemned, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. Listen friends, I gotta tell you, when the deliverer comes and gives us his cup of promise, You need to understand that deliverance is to set you apart, to make you his and to make you free. Let me tell you this. If you feel condemned today, you need to understand you're in good company with a guy by the name of the the Apostle Paul the writer of the majority of the New Testament, who in Romans chapter 7 and in Romans chapter 8 goes into this dissertation about the messed up life that he feels like he lives. Wretched man that I am. I want to do things that I shouldn't do. I don't do the things that I should do. I'm at at war. My spirit and my flesh are constantly at war. I want to do this, but I don't. I should do this, but I don't. I shouldn't do that, but I do. I'm all messed up, wretched man that I am. Who will free me from this body? Who will free me from this? And God says today to you, To me and to each one of us, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that he just says, don't worry about those sins. Keep doing them. It's no big deal. It doesn't matter how you live. No, what he's saying is this. He's giving you power, delivering power, salvation power that you no longer are just saved. Like you said, yes to Jesus. That's cup number one. That's the first step. The next step is God, help me to live how you want me to live. Help me to be who you want me to be. I will free you. See, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. They still had the mind, a slavery mentality instead of a sonship mentality. How many of you know? Vast difference. Vast difference. That's why we have things like life groups and freedom groups. We want you to be free. Free free not just from your sin god says he whom the son has set free is free indeed we want you to be totally fully holy free we're made to do life together and we're better together we need each other but freedom comes with accountability in relationships james 516 is not in your notes, but it says this, confess your sins, therefore, one to another and pray for each other that you might be healed. If you want to receive that salvation, you go to God and receive that forgiveness from him. But if you want to be healed and you want to be free, confess your sins, therefore, one to another, then you'll be healed right? Then you'll build relationships and form friendships and create accountability and a victory over sin and healing from past hurts. That's why we have freedom groups. That's why we've got life groups. We want you free. But friends, that's not all. See, sometimes we get this cup and, and we're finally looking at our freedom and it's all about me and it's all about us. And uh, you know, I just, I, you know, I want what I want. You know, uh, God's still working on me. <laughs> it's all about me. He wants you to take that cup, set it down, and take the next cup and pick it up. Because that is the cup of redemption. He doesn't want you stuck in immaturity where it's all about you. He wants to restore you to your original design that you can be a blessing to others. He says, I'll redeem you. I'll restore you. I'll I'll reveal your divine design. And your divine design is established through maturity. That's why we present the grow track so you can better know the gifts and talents and abilities and how you can be used in the kingdom of God. Friends, I got to tell you, I'm serious about growing in Christ. And I want to pastor a church that's serious about growing in Christ and not be immature babies that sit on the sideline saying it's all about me. It's all about me. Maturity is when it's all about others. And so this cup of redemption represents a restoration where you grow in the things of God. The first steps of growth would be after salvation would be things like water baptism. Or Bible reading, reading the Bible every day, getting his promises inside of you. Witnessing, meaning sharing your faith or praying to God, talking to God every day. That's a picture of taking a sip of the cup of redemption. And then we move from that to a fourth cup. And that fourth cup is where we really find our purpose because if you don't know who you are and you don't know what you're supposed to do, now you take a cup, a drink of the cup of praise or the cup of protection. It's called both protection and praise. Why? Because he says, I'll take you as my own. I'll give you an identity and purpose. I'll show you why you're on this earth and I'll tell you why I formed you and made you and created you and gave you a plan. And all of a sudden now the plan goes from me to we. Watch this, it's amazing. It says this in this fourth promise. It says, I'll take you as my own people. So now he puts us as a people group. Now he's got us working together with teams. Why? Because I don't know how many of you have been on a team before, but I was on sports teams and some days I showed up a little lethargic. I needed to pass the ball to somebody else. I had just been sick the night before. I needed teammates to carry the ball at times. I needed to pass the ball off. And sometimes you're going to feel weak and lethargic as a Christian. You need somebody else to build you up in prayer. Other times you got friends and family that are struggling and broken and hurting. And you need to be the one to lift them up in prayer and walk beside them. We're on a team serving others. That's where we truly find fulfillment. We discover our gifts and we make a difference. And then finally, the cup of Elijah, which is the cup of hope. It not only represents the promises to come that one day Jesus will take us out of this old decaying body, That one day we won't have to mess with all the junk and the nonsense we deal with on this earth one day heaven will be our home one day christ is coming back and if we who are yet remaining living on the earth when his return comes we'll be caught up together in the clouds with him we'll be involved in a rapture experience praise god for all of that or even if we've died we still have the promise that we, we, we go to bed here on this earth, but we wake up seeing Jesus. But this last cup, the cup of hope, is really to the unreached. Because when God sees salvation, he doesn't see just those who are already saved. Otherwise, Jesus would put all of his attention on the 99, but instead he says, I'll leave the 99 and then go after the one. So this is missions, this is evangelism, this is your friends that don't know Jesus, this is the unsaved, this is people in your community, in our community collectively, in your sphere of influence who don't yet know. Maybe they were hurt in church or maybe they've uh, walked away from God or maybe they need to rededicate their life to the Lord. But friends, I want you to know the cup of Elijah is that we might prepare the way of the Lord. And over this next week and weeks to come, I'm going to put, give you an opportunity to pray for your loved ones, your family members, your friends, your co-workers, and write those names down and invite them to church that they may know who God's calling them to be. Friends, today is a day of salvation and deliverance and redemption, a day of praise and a day of hope. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today in this moment, we recognize that these promises hold true for us today. We surrender our lives to you. You, Lord, you allowed us to be grafted into your family through Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. So God, thank you for your promise that you would rescue us from our bondage and provide us with freedom, that you deliver us from whatever holds us back and you restore us and you help us to discover your original intention for our lives, that you'd provide protection and give us identity and purpose and hope. But God, I know in this room there may be some you say, Mark, I need Jesus truly to come into my life. Whether it's a first-time decision or a rededication, friend, I want you to know today is the day of salvation for you. Today is a day of hope for you, a day of freedom from you. for you. If you'll simply acknowledge the need, to, that need that you, you need Jesus Christ to come in and make you brand new. And for some of you, as I said, this may be a first-time decision, and I thank God for that. For others of you, it may be a rededication where you say, Mark, I I know that I know that I know that I need Jesus in these areas of my life. I need Him today. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, this is your opportunity to make a commitment to say yes to Him. Whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, this is your day of commitment, a day of salvation, a day of redemption, a day of rededication. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right now, all over this place, indicating that, Mark, that's me. Yes, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, yes. Yes, God bless you, God bless you. In the balcony, on the main floor, God bless you, yes. 13, 14, 15, yes, God bless you, anybody else? About 15 hands, 16, God bless you, anybody else? Anybody else? You're not alone you're not alone I'm not going to do anything weird I'm not going to call you to the front and and, uh, make you tell all your sins today I, I just I want to pray a prayer with you I want to invite you into this moment no judgment anyone else that's you today God bless you yes God bless you buddy yeah yeah God bless you yeah God bless you you can put your hands down today I want to invite you into this prayer And in this prayer, I want us all to say it out loud together, but especially you who lifted your hands. Can you say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together and celebrate all over this house today? Amen. We celebrate you today. Welcome to the family of God. That's the first step. I wanna remember the Lord's death today as we close out. And if the ushers would come and distribute, I know many have already received. But if you did not receive the communion elements, I'd like for you to go ahead and simply raise up your hand and wave at these these ushers as they walk by. They'll be glad to get you these elements. And if you already have them in your hand, if you wanna pull back the cellophane top, let me as you're preparing, if you take out the, the wafer representing the bread, That matzo bread, that unleavened bread. As you're preparing to do this, I'm going to give you a, a, a couple of significant things that some people misunderstand or misrepresent. First of all, you don't have to be a member of this church to participate with us in communion, okay? You need to be a member of the family of God, okay? Let me say that again. You don't have to be a member of this church but you do have to be a member of the family of God to participate. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians, uh, this picture of taking the communion in an, quote, unworthy manner. Well, let me just say this. All have sinned, none are righteous, no, not one. None of us are truly worthy. Are you following us? Everybody understand, none of us are worthy without the blood of Christ covering our sins and making us fresh and brand new. The problem with that Corinthian church is the Bible said, and the Apostle Paul said, you're doing more harm than good when you have a church service. You're neglecting people. You're not caring for those who are in need. He said, you're doing all kinds of stuff that go completely against what this was all about, which was remembering Christ. He said, you're remembering yourself. You're not remembering Christ. But what makes us worthy? You, me, and anyone in this room? Jesus. He makes us worthy. So being a part of His family, saying yes to Him, asking for forgiveness of your sins, that allows us, because of His worthiness, we become worthy. And so now when we prepare to receive this, we know that Jesus Christ is, died for us and we've accepted that free gift of salvation does that make sense all right as they did in the new testament jesus he intercepted this idea of passover he changed the meaning to mean communion from this point forward. The death angel would no longer be a death angel back in Old Covenant where a blood of a actual physical lamb would the blood was applied over a doorpost. Now the blood of Jesus is applied over the doorpost of our heart, which makes us worthy for that death angel to pass over us and we can be delivered. So when we break this bread, and I'm gonna invite you to do that right now, just break the wafer. It's a representation of Jesus body being broken for us symbolically this doesn't, we don't believe this becomes the skin or the physical body of Jesus we believe this is a symbol of what Jesus did for us and we remember him when we receive this, let's take this bread by faith Jesus on the night that he was Betrayed he not only took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He also took the cup He lifted it up and he said this is no longer just going to be a representation of what happened in Egypt Now it's going to be a representation of the blood Jesus blood that would be spilled on Calvary's cross To pay for our sins. So as you peel that back to reveal this juice the juice doesn't become, we don't believe that it becomes the blood of Jesus. We believe it represents the payment, the price that was paid for the redemption and the remission of our sins. Let's receive this cup by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Now could you stand up all over this place and begin to give God praise in your own way, your own words. Come on, put your hand together and celebrate Jesus and what he did for us.